everyone, welcome to Hello UX, a user-focused podcast aimed to help those pivoting into UX design. We are here to empower designers and help those transitioning into the UX field by providing education, resources, and a platform to talk about their experiences. Hello, Lies. I'm so glad you are joining me again for another episode. And I would like to begin by asking a few questions. What happens when all your resources and reference materials in your professional field are in another language or are tailored to another market? This is exactly the situation our guest for this episode found herself in. Seeing there were no reference materials or guides in UX research, neither in her native Portuguese language or even tailored for the Brazilian market, she and two of her fellow colleagues decided to write their own UX research guide. So, without further ado, join us in this conversation with our guest, Denise Pilar. I would like to begin by giving a warm welcome to Denise Pilar. Denise Pilar is a UX researcher and UX strategy expert. She holds a PhD in cognitive psychology, and she is co-author of UX Research Com Sotaque Brasileiro. I hopefully I very didn't butcher good. it. <laughs> no, very good. <laughs> Thank you. That translates to UX research with Brazilian accent. So thank you and welcome to Hello UX Podcast, Denise. Thank you, Jasmine. It's my pleasure to be here and uh, sharing a little bit of my experience with Hello UX listeners. Yay. All right. So we met through a mutual friend and I'd like to take the opportunity to give a shout out to Marsha Lima. Hey, girl. Hey. When I met originally with Marsha, she's the one that she's like, you have to talk to my friend. She's a UX researcher. She just helped co-write a book. So she had all these wonderful things to say about you. But so it didn't take much um, convincing on her, for me to reach out to you. So I knew I definitely had to reach out to you. But before we get into the book, I would like for you to walk us through your journey into UX research. Okay. Well, it's a long story. Okay. <laughs> I'll try to make it short. <laughs> okay. okay. So, uh, um, as you mentioned, I started with computer science and then um, gradually I moved to this uh, area of uh, UX research. I uh, participated in a seminar about user-centered design long, long time ago. And, uh, and then I just fell in love with the discipline. It was very incipient at the time, but um, I, I really wanted to do that. Then I took some uh, courses in cognitive science and memory perception. And I said, okay, uh, really that's it. That's not how I, I moved into uh, psychology. And, uh, and then after that, it was all uh, more or less of a natural. I started working in my current company right after I finished the PhD with the uh, user interface at the time, but in less than two years, I, were as well, I was working with uh, UX research. Okay. And so what was that one, as Oprah Winfrey would say, aha moment that you were like, yes, this is my calling. This is what I'm going to do. About UX in general or research specifically? Uh, research. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, when I joined, uh, SAP, uh, as I just said, I was uh, going to work in user interface, as I had been doing for uh, quite some time. Mm-hmm. But then, um, the, in about one year, 
uh, we had a, a reorg. The product that we were working on was moved to another location. And uh, so by then I had just found out about the uh, user experience department that was based in Palo Alto. And so I used this move to uh, try and go to the new department or bring okay. that department to Brazil. So um, then I started with one of uh, former colleagues, the two of us uh, uh, founded the, okay. uh, the US user experience area in Brazil. Mm. And then we, we went to Palo Alto for three weeks for trainings. Oh, okay. And we had uh, uh, one, one week training was about field research specifically. And, you know, I think there, when I was listening to the this uh, instructor, she was talking about the methods and letting us know uh, some cases and mm-hmm. showing us how to do and practicing. And was nothing really completely new because research is in the end is research, research. and the same <laughs> uh, strict methodology uh, doesn't change much but you know in context that made made the whole difference because I, I thought this is how you put the user in the center nice. this is how yes. you do user centered design this is mm-hmm. how you learn about what is really what the user needs and wants yes. so uh, I said and I'm good at this so let's do it <laughs> nice nice yes that's very important what you just mentioned you know putting the user at the center and it's finding those insights you know that are going to help you build on this product on this feature and you know that's something very very important and I think the, the, the sooner you know someone going into UX design can understand that um, you know the best for the best. for their career, um, oh, yeah. and and because it's an important, 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 important step. Um, right, you know, before you even start thinking about solutions, uh, which sometimes we tend to jump to, right, <laughs> immaturely. Yeah. Exactly, that's uh, very human. We we hear about a problem and we want to solve it. Right, we and... feel we're uh, uh, Steve Jobs. <laughs> exactly, but actually. At first, before going there, we need to understand the problem better or mm-hmm. even whether this is the real problem. Sometimes it's just a symptom and the real right. cause is somewhere behind. So we need to understand the context. We need to understand all the other factors that are involved. Yes, correct. Awesome. Well, thank you for uh, walking us through your journey. Um, now I would like to get into your book. Um, can you share with us the story of how UX Research Com Sotaque Brasileiro came to be? <laughs> you were doing perfectly. <laughs> yes, Thank you. I, I can. Uh, so um, I had worked with one of the co-authors, Cecilia, uh, mm-hmm. in a project at SAP. Um, okay. Actually, more than a project in a period in around 2012. And... Um, She came as a third party mm-hmm. just for those projects and uh, at a customer in uh, in Rio and it went really well. We worked well together. Uh, the projects were had a good results. So uh, 
we started to do some things together, like write papers, we published a few, and, and then we decided in 2015, we decided to um, do our to propose a, a mini course, kind of a seminar in a, an academic conference, uh, okay. MCI conference in Brazil. Mm -hmm. And HCI, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the term. Uh, human computer interaction. Computer interaction. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. And uh, and then it, it uh, feels we... a little um, weird. Human computer interaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but actually, when we uh, it is what it is. Know, right? Use a computer. It's like a dialogue. You okay. do something, yeah. the computer responds, and so right? True, true. So it's in that sense. And then we had 28 students and uh, they were saying that we're, they were eager to do research, but they had not enough references, especially in Portuguese. Mm -hmm. And even the references that were available uh, in English, uh, they most of them were based on experience from other countries. And okay. we have mm -hmm. a, a, a very peculiar um context here in Brazil, I'd say. I, yeah, I would I don't imagine. Think... <laughs> yeah, yes. it's not something that is only happening here, but since things change fast mm -hmm. and a lot and without mm -hmm. advanced notice. So we need to find a way to deal with all this uh, dynamic environment. So if we want to do something and um, if you go to the books, to the original mm -hmm. books, they are more strict. So Mm. People don't feel comfortable or secure to make uh, adaptations. Okay, say. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I would also imagine Latinos are going to think different from I would directly compare it to an American market. There's certain things, there's certain behaviors um, exactly. that we do. I think I had shared with you as Latinos, you stay loyal to certain brands. Your yes. mom will swear by a certain brand. No, you don't buy this other, you know, this is the one that's the best. Any little insights like that, that you gathered from writing this book tailored to the Brazilian yes. market? Okay. Definitely. Yes. We are Latinos in general. We are more uh, relationship driven, right? Mm -hmm. So our mm -hmm. cultures uh, value that a lot. And, mm -hmm. uh, and this is part of, I mean, you cannot do any kind of user experience work in general if you don't take into account the context. Right. That That's the big difference. We bring the context of the user into the picture. And uh, that's the difference. So we went, we, we decided to do something about that. We, mm -hmm. we started writing bits and pieces and trying to put together a, a table of contents. Um, but then, you know, life took us in different directions and, yes. and, and it was a little bit hard to, to move forward. Mm -hmm. So uh, by uh, three years later, we met uh, the third author, Elisa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she is an anthropologist. And so she, uh, she mentioned in a common discussion group that we participated in, WhatsApp group, that she also had some materials uh, mm. that put together some uh, some uh, some texts, and uh, but it never really picked up. So we said, let's talk. And then 
I think putting the three of us together was like the real mix that made it uh, that needed to happen that to kick off, <laughs> make it happen. Awesome. Uh-huh. Yes. I would think, you know, that each one of you brings your own forte to make the book what it is. So uh, what are three takeaways that you feel people will have once they read your book? Yeah, I, I was thinking about that. Uh, it's kind of hard to get okay only three now but i have it <laughs> now okay <I> have it. <laughs> because uh we organized the book to to have at first a foundation mm-hmm. like a theoretical background because we we felt as we were writing and, and producing the book we felt that you know there is a big very big difference between what people know in terms of theoretical background mm-hmm. and and there is a minimum that we consider that is necessary to be a okay. good researcher so we tried to provide that that was not originally planned but we added that and mm-hmm. then we have a section with uh, a few methods we have six methods that we included there of course there are many more but you know we mm-hmm. had to make a choice yeah. and then there are uh, <laughs> there is a a fourth section that bring post your phases of research, let's say, okay, uh, like analyzing, synthesizing data and communicating the results. Mm-hmm. Some also some uh, ethical aspects and this privacy and data oh, protection nice. laws mm-hmm. that we have one in Brazil now as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, in some cases, some you know, real cases from our practice and from some guests. So um, that said, I'm going back to the takeaways I didn't forget. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think then the three takeaways, one of them would be just that we we understand that user research requires a solid uh, theoretical foundation. And uh, that is, that comes from science that has some right. solid grounds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's what makes the UX research strong. So that's something that the book gives. It's, okay. uh, of course, it's not uh, exhaustive and not that deep, but it gives the, the readers the sense of what they need to know, what areas are involved and where things come from. Nice. Which okay. I think it's very important. Right. And uh, the second one, I would say that is to understand that there are many steps that must be taken care of before you go to the field. There is planning, there is recruiting, there is preparation. There are several steps that need to be considered and planned and really carefully carried out. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it may compromise the research itself. Because when people think of research, the first thing that comes to mind is going to the field and interviewing people or usability testing something but that's not the that's the visible part let's say right. but you need this planning phase and preparation phase it's very important it's so very we important. talked quite mm-hmm. a lot about all that's involved in there and um, the third takeaway i would say is that that the objective that is behind your a research study has to be the North Star and it guides everything. It guides all your decisions in the course of the research. So mm-hmm. it's 
of utmost importance that you define well your objective Prior there in the to. beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first thing, you know why you are going to do this research. What mm-hmm. you really need to, what's the problem you need to solve? And right. and all along the process, ask yourself, am I going in this direction? If not, what should I do to correct it? Right. So that is what's used as a measurement of anything else that you're going to do throughout the duration of this research. And up there, up one, most important. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, those are great takeaways. So I, I know the last time we spoke, right now the book is still in Portuguese. There are some plans to hopefully translate it into other languages, which... I am going to be one of those that is going to be very excited (laughs) once you do. So can you tell us more about that? When can we expect that? Yeah, well, we, it was an independent production. So we, Mm. we, we had uh, 2000 copies uh, printed this, this time. And, uh, and now we are down to 400 books. So already it's six, maybe six months. It's going wow. much faster than we had expected. Anticipated, yeah. Yes, exactly. So uh, and, and that's good. It's a good problem, yes. but still, <laughs> uh, we were not that prepared for it. So uh, there are several uh, people asking us for uh, digital version and translated versions, especially into English and Spanish. Mm-hmm. And these are all things that we want to do, but we cannot do that independently anymore. Because, right. you know, we all have a full-time job. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the book is not our main activity. And uh, and there are other things going on, of course, in mm-hmm. our lives. So as much as we, we'd like to do that, we, we really, we know that it's not doable. And it mm-hmm. was two years that were really intensive for us while producing the book and then we are now distributing it so even even the logistics is our responsibility and that's a lot yeah so now we are in the process of looking for a publisher and uh and then when we we need when we sign with one then we'll talk about uh, releasing an ebook and also the uh, translated versions so I cannot promise you a date or anything (laughs) no it's in the works (laughs) yeah so let's make a calling anyone there with contact with the publishing house please contact please let us know (laughs) (laughs) you never know (laughs) yeah We'll now take a break and hear a word from our sponsor. But stick around as we continue our conversation with Denise Pilar. conversation with Denise Pilar. Okay, so our audience are is largely made up from people that are coming from different career backgrounds and paths, and they're pivoting into UX design. And part of doing UX design is knowing how to conduct UX research. 
what advice would you give someone who is going through this training and they're realizing that they want to specialize in UX research? What would you advise to them? I'd say the first thing is uh, you must be comfortable with interacting with people. You must work on your social and uh, social emotional skills. Okay. Because uh, all uh, all the knowledge you can learn as you go, there are mm-hmm. tons of interesting and, and good quality materials available out there, and there are many many um, networking groups that you can access that can give you support and. and provide you with the tools you need mm-hmm. but working on your uh, communication negotiation listening skills mm. this is something that only you can do and right. I would say go for for that and of course read read a lot study mm-hmm. what is out there the the, uh, the knowledge is available but you have to seek it and um, and also question you know, okay. it's very important to question everything. Question your own certainties. You're part of the, uh, a core element of being a researcher is to be uh, to question everything, to question mm-hmm. everything you know, everything you think. You uh, challenge your own bias, your own beliefs, because mm-hmm. you know we are humans, yes. uh, and we will go and interact with people. And sometimes we are not going to like them or we are not going to agree with them. And still our job is to collect their point of view and bring back to the product. And and our personal opinion or feeling is totally irrelevant there. So mm-hmm. uh, we, and it's very hard to do this. So you yes. have to work <laughs> really hard on trying to separate things, you yeah. know, you will feel, you will be right. irritated sometimes. You'll be annoyed or disappointed or tired, all that. But, you know, uh, it's important not to, uh, as I heard once in Brazil, and we even mentioned this in the book, uh, you won't be af- uh, able not to, ju- to judge. Mm, but yeah, once you the judgment comes to your mind, just you know don't give the sentence right away so you have wait to a minute kind of, yeah put that like, on the side deep mm, on it and mm-hmm. collect more evidence before you finalize your assessment you know so i i would say that's the, the hardest part yeah part. i i i would say that i think judging it's a very human nature thing to do and yeah, it's definitely learning how to keep that, you know, on the other side of what you're doing. It's probably one of the things that if you know you want to go into UX research, like you mentioned, it's something you're going to have to work hard on. So oh, nice yeah. tip. Really there. hard. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. but you know, if mm-hmm. you care, the mm-hmm. most important thing is to really care because okay. you are going to collect um feedback, opinions, impressions, needs, and wants Mm -hmm. from people out there Mm -hmm. with the goal of helping them to get those needs uh, met. Mm -hmm. So you must really care about them in a certain level. And and 
even if you're not able to feel what they feel, mm -hmm. uh, which probably you probably want, but uh, if you care, you it, it helps you to do this separation. Okay, you know I disagree, but I see where you're coming from, and then mm -hmm. that's okay. Right, and. I would imagine, you know, being in the setting of being part of that design, you know, team that is working on this product, being you the one doing the UX research, you're going to be that person that is going to be next to that user knowing where the motivation is coming from. So you're probably going to be the one there advocating for the user. Yeah. And, and usually you'll be one small <laughs> part of the team yeah. and everyone else in the team has their own uh, valid points as well mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. there the negotiation is ongoing and um, sometimes it's very hard because they the the rest of the team has been working in the same way for ages and it has been working so they feel no need to change right uh this is all part of the job mm -hmm. and but with the the move to the cloud and today uh, almost every business is going to the cloud and it's yes. a matter of survival mm -hmm. and in the cloud uh, it's even more important that the users have a, a, a decent experience otherwise they just they just uh, go somewhere else true true yeah if, if, yeah um this is not working for them so let's move on to another system that would yes yeah. i could see that <laughs> so what networking groups would you recommend them you know if they were just beginning their walk into ux research what what groups out there do you see are really good and and helping you know as a resource for for you know if they're interested in ux research yeah there are um there are a few groups that I part of, and I was uh, trying to recollect that. And uh, some of them are on LinkedIn. Most of them, uh, you can find them there, but they also have their own spaces. Okay. And I would say uh, it's very important to know about design thinking, uh, even though this is not the same. Uh, design thinking gives a good. Uh, a very good uh, view of the whole cycle, the whole mm -hmm. product life cycle. So mm -hmm. it, you you are able to grasp what it means and why things happen and when. So uh, you can go through the problem and which is where research mostly uh, sits. But then you understand that after that there will be a prob uh, product or a service that will be created and that will be delivered somewhere. So right. we can have this this overview of the whole uh, product cycle. Um, also, I uh, there is a group that I like a lot personally. It's called Interaction Design Foundation. Uh, it's a nonprofit. I think they are from Denmark, but it's, yeah, it's I heard all of in them. English. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and they are extremely good. There are uh, several articles. All the content that is there is good, and it goes through all disciplines within UX. So I, I really highly recommend. It's not that expensive. You have to pay a fee uh, mm -hmm. for. I, I think annual fee is uh, I don't know twenty 
$30, something like that is not absurd. And uh, But then you have access to their courses and the articles that they publish and you can get some templates. It's really, really a, a reliable source. Nice. Then uh, there is the IXDA, is the Interaction Designers Association. And it's global, but they have chapters uh, okay. in several places in the world. And they, they also uh, have a conference, especially uh, for uh, Latinos. I think it's relevant. They have the Interaction Latin America that was in Medellin last time in 2019. I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the content is just amazing. And it mm-hmm. brings together uh, all Latin America. Uh, including Mexico, uh, they participate. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really just amazing. And there is a chapters. There are chapters in the U.S. as well. And some most of the speakers that I think came from the U.S. last time. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, there were local speakers, but yeah. the <laughs> keynotes and so on. <laughs> okay. And then there is the UX Professionals Association, the UXPA. They publish uh, magazines and uh, uh, sometimes around uh, a specific uh, theme. Uh, I published there once in 2014. It was about Latin America, UX in Latin America specifically. Mm -hmm. It was a very nice uh, issue Mm -hmm. that uh, brought uh, articles from several several countries it was very nice i it's still accessible but you know they publish mm-hmm. regularly i don't know how uh, it is now with the pandemics but um, in regular times they also had events uh, you know physically yeah so, yeah yeah hopefully you know um i'm hoping uh, once yeah. you know, mostly everyone gets it, the vaccine that we'll be able to start attending some of these. Yeah, uh, events. yeah, it yeah. will be nice. We miss yes. that, you know. It's right. important to see yeah. you really the face. <laughs> yes, yes. Putting names yeah. to the putting face to the names. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and yeah, and uh, for those who are specifically interested in research, there is a group on LinkedIn that is called UX slash HCI researchers and uh, and then I think I don't know if it's really open to the public but I think you can if you are interested in the area you can uh, write a message and ask to you know say why okay yeah okay yeah thank you so much yeah for sharing all these wonderful resources so um, you guys don't have an excuse now okay Okay, so this season we're focusing on inclusion and diversity uh, in tech space. And, you know, one of my questions to all my guests has been, why do you think representation is so important? You know, um, I, yes, that's a very, very timely question, (laughs) by Mm -hmm. the way. I watched yesterday this documentary on Netflix, Mm -hmm. uh, Coded Bias. I don't know if you had a chance to... No, I haven't yet. seen it. Yeah, I'm definitely I, I gonna. Okay, okay. And, and you know, the cost of not having this representation is 
it's too high. It's way beyond what we can imagine. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if we if we don't have we don't work on inclusion, um, we 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 don't have a way to change what is out there because the code that is written it it kind of mimics or it it materializes the, the values and the the worldviews and beliefs from the people who write it mm-hmm. which are mostly white males yes. young <laughs> yes so uh, you know if we uh, want to have a better more inclusive society we have to make sure that we bring other uh, worldviews into the picture to, yes. uh, of designing and creating products and services. Of course, it's important to have uh, regulatory uh, agencies that do some work and control and, and prevent the evil to be out there. But uh, this is, we cannot wait for them. Mm-hmm. Um, if we imagine, if we manage to have uh, more diverse teams, mm-hmm. it will be natural to create more inclusive products because we'll think of things yes. together that none of us uh, alone could think. And yes. when we put all these perspectives together, then we can build something more inclusive. Nicely said. Yes, I agree. <laughs> yes, Denise. Yes. All right. Now for a fun question. Um, I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what superpower would you choose for yourself? And how would this superpower, how would you use that in your research, your ex research um, profession? That's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want it to be hard. It's supposed to be. <laughs> Sorry. I, uh, I think uh, the superpower I would like to have, it's less about the, the act of uh, performing my role as a researcher, but that enables me to get there. Okay. I would. I would have this uh, ability to magically convince stakeholders about Ooh. the value, <laughs> the value <laughs> of, of doing research. You know? So have some kind of mind, yeah, uh, ability to like an opener, <laughs> just put there. You know, this yes. is something you need to care about. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice. I like that response. Well, Denise, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being our guest here at Hello UX Podcast. Um, we can't wait, well, at least the ones that don't know Portuguese, can't wait, you know, for your book to be translated into English or even Spanish. I can read Spanish. And But thank you so much for sharing your expertise and for your helpful advice that you've given to our listeners. Thank you, Jasmine. The pleasure was mine. It was really fun. <laughs> and I hope I can... Uh, encourage and inspire and, and and maybe show to some of the aspiring women that want to be researchers that this yes. is something we can do and we are good yes we're good yes. girls 
<laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope this episode inspires you to fill in that gap you find is missing. Write that article, write that guide, or book. The likelihood of someone else feeling the same way you do is very probable. If in the process you do find like-minded individuals, then partner up and work together on the solution. Well, this wraps up episode three, interview with UX researcher Denise Pilar, co-author of UX research Comsotaque Brasileiro. This season, our theme is inclusion and diversity, and we are committed to bringing you diverse voices throughout the year. We'll continue to have conversations around topics that are important to emerging UX designers but with an emphasis on how these in particular affect underrepresented minorities in tech. Before we leave, I would like to invite you to like us and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. We would like to invite you to join our Hello US community group page on Facebook and check out our YouTube channel and don't forget to subscribe. If you would like for us to cover a specific topic or you're just dying to give us feedback, send us a message through our social media channels or send us an email to info at hellouxdesign. I'll repeat, info at hellouxdesign. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast available on all major streaming platforms. And now a shout out to our sponsor. Shout out to our sponsor, Overflow Digital, a digital agency specializing in all your professional website needs. We aim to create dynamic websites that will positively impact your business meeting you at the crossroads of data, design, Marcom, and UX. Inspired by our conversation with Denise, I'll leave with this quote from Brene Brown. Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Okay, hello, hasta la próxima. Bye-bye.